Hey Howlers, a couple quick warnings before we get started here today. First warning, this podcast contains adult content. There will be some bloody damn cursing. Don't be a pixie, you pixies. Second warning, this podcast contains spoilers for the entire Red Rising universe. And even speculations that go beyond it. (laughs) So we will be talking about the series as a whole if you have not read all the books I would suggest not listening to the podcast any further. Go read the books, come back, and listen to the podcast. Exactly. Where can people find us on social media, Aaron? At HowlerPod, H-O-W-L-E-R-P-O-D. Also, email us, HowlerPod at gmail.com. Also, Etsy store, HowlerPod. Get your merch. Facebook is HowlerPod. Twitter is HowlerPod. (laughs) (laughs) Instagram, lots of memes. Lots of memes. All right, let's do this. And now, Howler Pod. Oh! Everything costs something, Darrow. Perhaps you'll soon tire of making your friends pay. Hello, Howlers. Welcome to Howler Pod, the one and only podcast for all things Red Rising, where every episode we dive deep to break down, celebrate, and discuss all aspects of the fantastic Red Rising series by Howler number one, Pierce Brown. I am your host, Ben Reinert. I'm joined today by my co-host, the amazing Aaron Ayers. Hello, Howlers. We're here today doing Golden Sun chapters 28 through 34. We're going to hop right in. There's a lot to cover. So let's get to these chapter summaries. You forgot to say, let's load up the star shell and shoot straight into our chapter summaries. Right. I'm going to shit my suit now. Yeah. I feel like we should shit our suits one day and just like kind of feel what Darrow is talking about. (laughs) That's a great idea. How about later tonight? We'll just shit our pants. We'll report back after we shit ourselves. All right. All right. You can start off. Chapter 28, The Storm Sons. So Darrow arrives on Europa and speaks with the Lorne Arcos as they walk around his estate. Uh, Darrow and Lorne discuss the oncoming war. Darrow needs Lorne to join him, but Lorne will not. He is tired of war and wishes to be left alone with his family. He also does not trust Nero Augustus and tells Darrow of the savage and underhanded way Augustus rose to power on Mars. It was pretty, pretty savage. He's sneaky. Yeah. Sneaky, sneaky. Uh, Lorne takes Darrow to his garden where they find Lorne's massive carved griffin, Icarus. As Darrow entered the garden, he dropped some small landmines on the ground as he walks. Lorne doesn't notice. Lorne then tells Darrow the Sovereign laid a trap for him. Her minions have arrived at Lorne's estate days before Darrow, and Asia Agremis herself and a squad of Praetorians are waiting for Darrow inside Lorne's home. They've threatened his family. He tells Darrow his ships and friends will be captured, but that he can offer Darrow himself an escape on the Griffin, Icarus. Darrow refuses and tells Lorne he does not have a choice about joining the war, whether he likes it or not. Darrow was ready for this trap. He hails the Howlers and the Telemonuses, telling them to spring a trap of their own. Lorne realizes what Darrow has done, saying he is a lion after all. Can I interject? Because do you 
picture the griffin as the thing in Harry Potter, like the same thing. Yeah, similar. But like way bigger. What is that thing in Harry Potter? It's a little different. Is it not a griffin? Little bird head and um, Hagrid. Buckbeak. Buckbeak. Hagrid like feeds him ferrets. It is a griffin, isn't it? I think so. And then Harry and Hermione and Ron all get on one. Right. Right? Yeah, that's what I'm picturing when I'm looking at this. Me too. Yeah. Just making sure. Because then it can also be fierce and like he like kicks what's his butt Draco. Yes. That's a good part. Also, you can always interject. It's your it's your podcast. It's your podcast. <laughs> it's our podcast. All right. So Harry Potter Griffin. Uh, Lauren has one, of course. He's got Buckbeak. Because he's Chilling. like the coolest badass in the history of all things Red Rising. All right. Chapter 29. Old Man's Wrath. Darrow was prepared for the Sovereign's Trap and Pliny's betrayal. Fucking Pliny, dude. Yeah, he's I the worst. guy. As uh, Kellen Albalona's hidden ships streak towards the packs, Darrow dispatches his own hidden ships, led by Roke, to ambush them. Lorne knows that Darrow's trap is his defeat and that he must now pick a side. It will now appear to the Sovereign that Lorne warned Darrow of the trap. He will be forced to join Darrow even though he does not want to join and instead wants to live apart in peace. He wants the third option, which does not exist. House Arcos stands apart. <laughs> Aja and her Praetorians enter the garden. She shouts at Lauren about his betrayal because she's a bitch. He then tries to deny it, but she tells him he's either with or against her. He knows the Sovereign will kill him no matter what now that her ships are lost. Lauren doesn't have a choice, and so he joins Darrow. Another figure then joins Aja. It's Tactus. Mm -hmm. Darrow calls in his reinforcements, and the howlers rise up from the sea, dripping wet like in a movie. (laughs) It's really fun. Um, They're outside the castle, and they come in to join Darrow and Lauren. The two sides prepare to fight. Then Darrow explodes the bombs he previously laid, and he lays waste to the squad of Praetorians. And there's like pieces of meat and chunks of people floating down <laughs> in like red mist. Yeah. Real cool. <laughs> By Darrow's design, only Aja and Tactus manage to escape. Roke comes over the comm, really pissed off. He's urging Darrow not to let Aja escape because she killed Quinn who Roke loves, but Darrow cuts him off and tells him to focus on his part of the mission, which is the space battle above. Mm-hmm. Aja then slips away into the sea and escapes. The Howlers are unable to find Tactus. Darrow and Lauren then realize Tactus has gone for Lauren's family and children. They race down to the hidden room where Lauren's family is located, and they find Tactus there, razor in hand. His face is destroyed by the explosion, and he's breathing ragged breaths and looking very confused. He's in Dar- a bad place. He's not doing well. And the kids are crying in the corner with the moms who are all unarmed. And it's important to note that it's not just a gold Right, it's all group. colors. Yep. It's all the colors from his house, all the different children. Mm-hmm. So Daryl forgives Tactus for his betrayal, and he tells him to spare the children and to rejoin him once again. Tactus drops his razor eventually and weeps into Darrow's shoulder, telling him how sorry he is. The children are cleared from the room. Once they're gone, Lorne ferociously stabs Tactus super fast, and Darrow can't react and save Tactus. 
So then Daryl holds him as he dies in his arms. It's very sad. Tough one. Chapter 30, Gathering Storm. The captured Bologna ships are added to Darrow's fleet, and he agrees to compensate the Telemannuses for their efforts with three of the ten ships they were able to capture. Uh, Lauren's fleet joins Darrow's as well. Uh, the Telemannuses then tell Darrow that Ragnar performed well when boarding one of the Bologna ships. He even took command when all of the golds leading his boarding party were killed and still managed to take the ship. Darrow asks both Kavax and Doxo if they thought Ragnar was capable of handling more. The two golds can't even consider the question. Uh, the concept is so foreign to them. Darrow walks the statement back, but Orion notes his overstep. Another blue then alerts Darrow that a shuttle-carrying Mustang is inbound. Chapter 31, Coup. Mustang storms out of her smoking ship and tells Darrow her father has been captured. She tells Darrow that Pliny has started a coup, arrested her brother, killed her aunt and her aunt's children, as well as turned more than 20 of her father's bannermen. They have lost control of their fleet. Pliny has made a deal with the sovereign and would get a house in a position of his own if he's able to deliver peace. And he is a sneaky bastard. Sneaky, sneaky. Sneaky. He even offered to marry Mustang, but she responded to his offer by gouging out his eyeball and fleeing because she's amazing. <laughs> That's a great move. Just a pluck, like a Kill Bill pluck eyeball. Nice. Oh, that's a good image. I didn't connect that. Um, also, her brother, a.k.a. the Jackal, a.k.a. we hate him still, he was captured in the process of helping her escape. Which means he has motive. Right. We don't know yet what that is. Definitely up to something. The group then discusses if she was allowed to escape and whether the ship she arrived in was tracked or maybe as a bomb. Darrow tells an orange, the only orange we know ever, yeah. named Scyther, <laughs> to la launch the ship out. But the orange is shuffling around, hesitating, and Darrow tells him, what's your plan? The orange suggests to Darrow that he could find the tractor and attach it to another ship and lead Pliny away from their fleet. Darrow tells him to get on it, and he says he'll uplift his family if he mm -hmm. succeeds, and then his group turns to leave. Severo shuffles around, and Darrow says, what do you want? And then Severo asks Mustang if he can keep Pliny's eyeball. That she just, like, plopped on and the ground. she's like, yeah, go for <laughs> you it. You fucking he's, weirdo. Like, so excited. <laughs> he's like, hopefully I get the set. <laughs> Chapter 32, Die Young. Uh, Mustang insists on seeing Tactus's body. Darrow and her find Roke sitting with him in the med bay. Roke is cold to Darrow and upset over the cost his actions have taken on their friends. He tells Darrow, Tactus never sold the violin he gave him and had been practicing in secret, hoping to surprise Darrow one day. Mustang tells Darrow he must fix his relationship with Roke before it continues to get worse. Darrow and his full council then meet in the war room. Mustang kind of gives a recap of what went wrong in their attack and Pliny's betrayal. She then informs the council that Julia's ships were present at the battle and they finished off her father's forces. This calls Victra's loyalty into question among the rest of the group. They all argue for a while as Victra stands up for herself, telling them that she is her own person. I'm loyal to Darrow. Uh, despite this, all of Darrow's counselors advise him to lock her up and that she cannot be trusted. Roke, actually, 
he raises his finger, then speaks out and stands up for Victra, pointing out that she has had many chances to walk away from their cause and has remained steadfast and loyal to Darrow throughout, which is kind of an interesting move from Roke in that position. Uh, Darrow agrees and tells the group he trusts Victra. Mustang then tells them that Pliny now waits for them with the main fleet. Once the peace has been made with the Sovereign, it will be sealed with the execution of her father in the courtyard of their citadel in Aegea on Mars. If he is executed, their war is over. The reinforcements from the Rim will not come, and they will be alone against all of the society. Darrow then resolves that they must take back their fleet and Mars. Easy peasy. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy. <laughs> okay, Ben, you forgot to mention, and don't worry, everyone, I'm here for you with the relationship insights because Ben doesn't seem to care, but this was like totally like The Bachelor oh, where yeah. <laughs> Darrow's like looking at Victra and she like smiles at him and Mustang is like, what the fuck? She notices something passes between them. She's like, we went on a skydiving date <laughs> yesterday, and now you're looking at this girl? <laughs> like, seriously? <laughs> yeah, Mustang's ready to fight. She's a little upset by that. And in response, chapter 33, a dance. Darrow sleeps, and he dreams of Eo, the other girl that we didn't mention previously. <laughs> and there's a knock at his door, and it's Mustang. He doesn't want to let her in or to allow her to get any closer as he knows it will only end up in him hurting her. Also, it should be noted that Ragnar is like standing outside. It's really like, great, Ragnar. Like telling Mustang, no, you can't go in because he needs to sleep. Because Ragnar's like the best babysitter. And then he does that thing where Daryl's like, you need to go to sleep, Ragnar. And he's like, I sleep with my eyes open. I sleep with my eyes open. And he's like, really? Dumbness. That's fucking weird. <laughs> He's like, cool, we'll do it in your room. And then Darrow's kind of a dick to him. And I was like, fuck you, Darrow. Don't talk to Ragnar that way. He could yeah, kill you. He was a little mean. Anyways, he makes up for it. Okay. So despite all of this, <laughs> Darrow uh, lets Mustang in. And he tries to maintain some distance that he can between them. Mustang is flirting and like hitting him with a practice blade, you know, like middle school flirting. <laughs> and she tries her best to crack Darrow and asks him why he insists on only being a warrior. She wants to know what drives him, but he can't let her know because he's a red and she he can't say that. So he must appear as all ambition and bloodlust to her because, you know, you she wouldn't understand. Yeah. He, several already knows. He can't go around telling everyone, even though he starts telling other people. <laughs> Next chapter. Mustang, frustrated with Darrow's silence, turns to leave. Darrow eventually runs to stop her, but she says, no, she can't understand why he would pull her back if he's just going to push her away. She tells him that he will become just like her father if he continues on this path all by himself. She tells Darrow to ask her to stay with him. Darrow's only answer is silence. If he lets her stay, it will only end in heartbreak when she finds out what he really is, a red. Mustang leaves before he responds. Chapter 34, Blood Brothers. After capturing one of Pliny's supply ships, Darrow, Roke, 
Victra, Severo, the Howlers, the Telemonises, Lorne, Mustang, and Ragnar hide among the boxes and crates of the ship. They're going to use the ship to infiltrate Pliny's fleet. Ragnar, uncomfortable in the humid cargo bay, leaves them to sit alone in the onboard freezer. Lorne and Darrow discuss Ragnar, and Lorne tells Darrow to watch out for him, calling Ragnar a monster and a tool incapable of being anything else. Darrow tells Lorne he thinks different and that men can change if given the chance. Darrow joins Ragnar in the freezer and then proceeds to tell him that he wants Ragnar to be free. Ragnar doesn't understand. Darrow goes on to tell him everything. He tells Ragnar that he is a red and that his people have been deceived. Daryl will not have Ragnar be his slave. He lays everything out in front of Ragnar, telling him that he must choose to follow Daryl or not follow Daryl. He then leaves Ragnar to make his choice. We did it. That's what Dude, happened. A lot of shit just happened. Man, it was a lot Should of plot. Thanks a, for hanging in there. A good inhale, exhale. <laughs> yes. <sighs> Deep breath. All right. Namaste. Now that we know... What happened in these chapters, we need to discuss the theme that ties them all together. And it is. <laughs> <laughs> this week's theme is... Friendship. And relationships. I'll be there for you. Specifically, what we want to look at with this idea of friendship and relationships is kind of how Daryl navigates his relationships and friendships among his closest allies. Or doesn't navigate them. Right. Well, he makes different choices with different ones, and that's what's kind of interesting about it. Like, he has similar issues with all of them, but he makes different choices with different friends depending on who they are. Exactly. And uh, Like Roke the racist, colorist. <laughs> so it's kind of interesting the choices that he makes in each one of those relationships. So the first place that we're going to see this is between Darrow and Lauren. So obviously this one's kind of tough. He basically just strong arms Lauren immediately and into this is, an alliance. So let's keep in mind here. Lauren is a legend. Yeah. Like, for sure. He's like Andre the Giant. He's like <laughs> so big in our minds. Great choice. That like he could never do wrong, right? Mm -hmm. Can you imagine telling Andre the Giant that like he has to like sacrifice his life for you like right. no one would ever do that because right. you love him so much and also he's fucking huge and I, it's just interesting i like that right before like we were just talking about in that last chapter where he's discussing with lauren they're talking about ragnar and he's like i was your student for so long but now it's your turn to learn from me like men can change i'm gonna right. show you how but yeah, basically, this one's kind of interesting because with Lorne, Daryl makes the choice just to basically strong arm him into his alliance. Right. He says, it is not simply my victory. It is his defeat. One way or another, he must ally himself. And I've made it easy for him to pick a side. I also feel like Daryl doesn't feel that bad about all this. No, definitely not. Like, I feel bad for Lorne because he's trying to be like the turtle in Kung Fu Panda. <laughs> Dude, my analogies are strong today. <laughs> you know what I mean, though? Yeah. He's trying to be totally zen. Right. Like, totally yin and yang. Yeah. Doesn't want any part of it. He's already killed enough people. He just wants to see his grandchildren live and yeah. wants to die in peace. Just wants to chill on Europa, watch the oceans. Yeah. Meditate, do yeah. some yoga. And Daryl's like, no, you can't. And he doesn't even feel that. I mean, he does feel a little bad. Right. But 
he basically is like, no, you have to fight for us because you can't not pick a side. And that's what's interesting about Daryl, especially in these chapters, these six chapters or seven chapters that we're reading, is that he treats his friends differently, kind of like, so Lauren, like he knows he needs Lauren to win this war. And so he's just going to strong arm him into that situation. And the worst, most painful, gut-wrenching part of this is that we know it happens to Lauren and his grandchildren. Right. Yeah, that gets really tough. And it's Darrow's fault. Yep. And then the next relationship where we kind of see Darrow have to navigate this is obviously with Tactus. This relationship is fraught. Like, Tactus totally betrayed Darrow. Also, okay, let me be totally honest. Until this reread, I never cared about Tactus. Really? At all. I was like, why is everyone giving This is a really sad moment, I feel like. Yeah, now I finally... Like, understand why we like Tactus and feel bad for him and feel compassion for him. Right. And I, this is the third, fourth, I don't know, fifth? What? No. <laughs> is this Golden Sun? So this is my third time. Yeah. And this is the first time where him dying actually, like, made me have feelings. Really affected you. Yeah. That's interesting. I like that. There's a good quote from Tactus. I think this quote is just extremely telling for how... Not only Darrow handles his relationship with Tactus, but it informs his relationships with Roke and a lot of other friends as well. Victra, too. Um, and so he says, the, uh, this is Tactus speaking. He says, the point. Was there a point, he asks. I was never told. You took me for granted, never telling me anything, always whispering with others, dismissing me like I'm a fool. And then uh, once Darrow forgives him, uh, we have that moment where they come back together and it's, it's really beautiful. It's just like Tactus' razor clatters to the floor and he falls to a knee in front of me. I go forward to Tactus and motion him upward to clasp my arm. He wraps me in a frantic hug and sobs into me, body shaking, bloody features, painting my armor. I'm sorry, he says a dozen times. His sadness is like a weight that nearly drives me to tears. Yet I'm buoyed by the strange feelings of having him back standing with me, gripping me. Ugh. You really feel that relationship. Like like you said, I love that you're feeling that kind of for the first time. It mm-hmm. is. That's a very impactful moment for Darrow. Right. And then just three paragraphs later, like Lauren is stabbing him eight in times the in, the, <laughs> in the armpit. Cutting, like twisting his artery. You're like, oh, fuck, dude. Like, I felt bad for you, Lauren. Never mind. I guess you uh, can handle yourself. That line that he says is pretty badass, though, where he's just like, now that the children have left, consequences. And you're like, no. <laughs> and then Tactus dies, which I think that it's, this is going to sound like the gold in me, but I think it's best that he does die in that moment because we can't trust Tactus to not betray us no, again. Definitely not. And yeah, he's getting pulled in a thousand directions. And then also like because of Tactus's death, Darrow learns from that. So that's a huge learning point or learning moment for Darrow. And so that helps him navigate some of these other relationships that we'll talk about here in just a second. So then coming up is Darrow and my favorite, the (laughs) Telemonises. Yeah, this is kind of a lesser one, but it also, you can see him like cementing his relationship with them. Right. He, first of all, the Telemonises are so fucking lovable. And it makes me more and more angry about Pax. 
I do want to talk about Daxo at some point, though. Daxo. Yeah. Because. Why not now? Well, let's do it. I feel like Daxo's up to something. Really? I'm not sure. I just but like. Nothing happens yet. Nothing yet. Right. Maybe but like, after uh, his dad almost dies in Iron Gold. Right. But I just think there's all these little things about him in not only these books, but like the way he, like Pierce describes him, like he's very smooth. He doesn't seem like this big brute that he is. He's got a yeah, wink like his for hands everything. Move like a politico. Yeah, and so it's like it just feels like maybe he's kind of a schemer. I don't know. It's just like I'm just like a watch out for Dax. So maybe he's. No, nah, I'm like all in on Daxo. Really? <laughs> I'm like, he can babysit the children that I do not have. But if I had them, he could just. I'm just them. not sure that he fully buys into maybe Darrow's entire thing. I guess he goes along with it for a full 10 years all the way through <laughs> Iron and Gold. But like, even in Iron and Gold, he does some little things where he's like, oh, really? He's a little schemy. I don't know. He just seems a little I definitely schemy. need to reread Iron yeah. Gold. Yeah. So, Darrow and the Talamanis' quote is them haggling over ships. And he says, 20, that is fair, no? We lost 160 house grays and 13 obsidians. Then 30% to compensate you for friends. So this is at the end of them back and forth. Mm -hmm. And uh, Kavox is basically like the worst (laughs) at Shark Tank. That was so funny. If he was in front of the sharks, he would walk away with a deal where he had... (laughs) given away a hundred percent of his <laughs> <This> company, company. <laughs> you know what i mean yeah. and he's like it's great we love you also if darrow had had jelly beans in that moment which like darrow like he needs to step up to yeah. the jelly bean game think about it darrow you need to have some always, jelly beans always on carry hand. i have jelly beans in my pocket right now like i'm ready darrow you're ready needs, to meet Gavox. <laughs> also to eat jelly beans but darrow needs to carry jello be- jelly beans anyways Hopefully he'll learn. He he never steps up to the task of jelly beans. No. I mean, just to kind of put a cap on that one, that's a good spot where Darrow's just like trying to cement that relationship with the Talamonses and completely bring them into his fold. He knows they're loyal to Mustang and they have told him they're loyal to him because of Pax. Mm-hmm. He's going to reward that by giving them, you know, more than what they're expecting. The next one is a tough very fraught relationship fraught fraught super fraught darrow and roke yeah you just see like it's hard to know the future and then watch all of this yes it is this first quote that we had was uh, this is when roke is sitting next to tactus's dead body and mustang Mm -hmm. and darrow are have come into the med bay and they're talking about what happened uh, Rogue says, just as you wanted to catch Aja, I told you why I did that. Naturally, she kills our friend. She kills Quinn. But we let her walk away for the grander scheme. Everything costs something, Darrow. Perhaps you'll soon tire of making your friends pay. And the Mustang's like, that's not fair, dude. Yeah, for sure. Roke does warm up with Mustang there, but then shuts right back off to Darrow. Right. And then also, like... When that we were we were talking about that Tactus quote earlier, where Tactus was like, "You are you keep me at an arm's length at all times." When he's saying that to Darrow, there's a line in there where Darrow's mind immediately flashes to Roke, mm-hmm. and he's like, "That's what I'm doing with Roke, right?" And that's what Roke is basically saying to him here is, "There's a way that Darrow could have handled this. He could have 
you know, talk to Roke ahead of time and being like, we got to let Aja escape for because we want to follow her. You know, we want to right. figure out what's going on. We're going to use this as a plan. But he doesn't come to Roke about that. Instead, he just goes forward with the plan and keeps Roke in the dark. Well, and he also, through like omission, lies to Roke because Roke clearly thinks that they're going to kill Aja in that moment. Right. And Daryl clearly thinks otherwise. Yep. Yeah, he's got a whole nother plan to himself. And then he doesn't tell his friends. His, these are the people that he's supposed to be trusting. And that just leads them to doubt Darrow. Thinking about this in terms of the amount of loss that Roke has had, I was actually having a really cool discussion on Twitter the other day with one of our listeners, Kistel Gordon. I hope I'm saying your name right, Kistel. <laughs> uh, but you're awesome. She brought up a really great point to me because uh, in the previous episodes, we had kind of talked about Roke and Tactus liking each other, right? And so, like sexually, at least having feelings like deeper feelings and maybe friendship with each other, right? Like and Drake in my feelings. <laughs> <laughs> but if we're thinking about this in the terms of the people that have been lost, Leah, Quinn, Tactus, those are all people that Roke was extremely close to. And the OG howlers. Right. And he has feelings for those people. They died basically because of action or inaction on Darrow's part. Right. And how that just like colors Roke's relationship with Darrow is really interesting. I think like in the end, when they're having their final discussion, you know, their final talk in Morningstar, uh, Roke tells Darrow that he lost him when Quinn died or was killed, mm-hmm. you know? But I think that Tactus's death really cements everything. It makes Roke feel like he made the right decision. You know, like maybe Quinn was the turning point, but Tactus was the point where he felt like he was right. Right. He's like, I can't take any more of my friends dying because of this douchebag who like acts like he doesn't give a shit about us. And he won't. Yeah, he won't tell us what's really going on because they can all Mm -hmm. see. That's the one thing that runs throughout. I love that finding that on these rereads is the one thing that runs throughout all this is how how much like Darrow hides from his friends and how much they can see that he's hiding from them yeah, because they're all geniuses but they continue to follow him anyway because mm-hmm. of their love for him but that ultimately kind of hurts darrow a lot a lot of times like with certain people like right. with roke and i think darrow feels like he has to keep more secrets than he does because of his ultimate secret of being a red who's for carved sure. yep like there are secrets he could let his friends know that wouldn't give him away right and we'll kind of get into that with darrow and mustang because that plays into that relationship as well so the next relationship that we had as a kind of that ties into this theme is darrow and victra sex pot i'm gonna say every time <laughs> hashtag sex pot Hex, hashtag victra sex pot and then cassius is curly haired sex pot curly haired sex pot which is hard to say <laughs> just so, i'm gonna say that every time okay so victra is in the council room and everyone's like Fuck you, you're a Julii, your mom's a bitch and sucks. Also, Antonia's the ultimate bitch who ultimately sucks. Right. And they're all like, I hate that reasoning where they're just like, she's a bad seed, like bad blood runs in families. You but know? you have to understand, like, this is like high class gold, like the right. peerless scarred. Yeah. This is the best of the best. And these families ultimately are the ones fighting for power. These like 
top families. Right. They're the top of the top of the pyramid. Yeah, that's a good so, point. This this is like Bologna Augustus type fighting when Julia comes in because they're a part of that because they own all the trade. Right. So Victor says to the council, "Trust me, and you will find reward. But all that matters is what Darrow thinks." In truth, I was not thinking about Victor, but about Tactus, and wondering how easily he could tell that I kept him at arm's length. I'll not make that same mistake again. Least of all to Victor. I reached out to her in the hall, and I will do so in this company. Chance made us golds, I say, but we choose our friends. Victra chose me. I chose her, like I chose all of you. And if we cannot trust our friends, then what's the point of breathing? I like that moment. And Victra just like lights up like... <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> okay, Victor would never sound like that. She like I think in that moment she would have. She, she would have like been... makes eyes at Darrow and Mustang's like, I'll kill you. <laughs> He's mine. This is true. There's a lot of jealousy. Back to that the comes bachelor, up right bachelor. in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> the bachelor in this society would be like to the death. Like there'd be eighteen women who come and only one survives. <laughs> I was like, it would be like a uh, Bachelor episode if Victra was like being the villain on The Bachelor the entire week. Like all the girls are like, she's such a bitch. Have yeah. you seen all the scars? She Like we only have one cool scar. She's got like 18 scars. And then she's the very last she, person. she like doesn't even wear makeup. And she gets a rose. And, and everybody's like, like she doesn't even wear makeup. <laughs> she's not here for the right reasons. She's old. <laughs> they always talk about how she's like 10 years older. Right. Yeah, she says that to Mustang at one point. She's like, she's like, I can call you little because not only are you short, <laughs> yeah. but you're ten years younger than me. Right. Speaking of Mustang, this is another relationship where we see this theme play out. Uh, Darrow and Mustang, mainly when she comes to his room, and this is such an interesting thing, uh, such an interesting relationship to mine. I feel like because Darrow feels comfortable sharing with Severo, he realizes that he made a mistake with Tactus, so he corrects that mistake with Victra, but with Mustang, he just can't do it, and it's just because he... Like, he fucking loves her. Exactly, he loves her, and he doesn't want to break her heart. He says, she's too smart to lie to. That's why I'm so ill at ease around her when she asks me questions, when she probes things I can't explain. My history is hollow to her, my drive confusing. If I was born a gold, this must all look like ambition, like bloodlust. And without EO, it would be. That's a really interesting point because it's like, mm -hmm. I, I love that line back. Uh, I don't even remember when it was, but it was Mustang says that Darrow is a puzzle with missing pieces. And this is, he, he is. This is illustrated <laughs> right here in that line. Like He's trying to think about what her perception of him would be she doesn't have all the information. She knows. She knows that there's something there that he's not telling her. And he's just like, right now, she must just think I'm a bloodlust warrior, basically. That he's doesn't like, have any other ideas. He's like, listen, I'm a red. It's cool. Don't freak out. Right. We can still be in love. But the thing is, like, Mustang is so perceptive. She knows that there's something else there that he's not telling him. And she's willing to just walk away from him. Sorry, the reason I spaced off is because I was thinking, <laughs> you know how Fitchner's wife had to have her reproductive organs altered? Right. Did Mustang have to do that? No, because Darrow already did. 
Did he? He got carved, yeah. He's got a gold penis. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> But does does that change his sperm? I mean, he's pretty this... much like yeah, he was changed DNA. They like changed his DNA. Like Mickey didn't leave any sperm unchanged. No. But then, is it really his DNA? Well, they like altered it. Okay, sorry. Continue. I I like totally was thinking about Darrow's reproductive spermies and if they're gold spermies or red spermies. I think they're gold. All right. That's my personal opinion. We're going to do some deep dives and then we'll come back <laughs> next episode and I'm going to be right. <laughs> You're a blue. I'm going to fucking fuck you up. All right. And then, yeah, that like the entire discussion between Darrow and Mustang basically comes to a head at this point where she's like, oh, yeah. so ask me to stay. And he's thinking to himself, how can I let her, if she gives me her heart, I'll break it. My lie is too great to build... A- a love upon when she discovers what i am she will reject me even if she could survive that i would not i look at my hands as if the answer is there darrow's looking at his hands again by the way hands hashtag darrow's hands <laughs> yeah she says darrow ask me to stay when i look up she is gone listen this is just like when harry met sally Ooh, good and call he, like totally pones her and you're like Dude, she's like way too hot for you. What are you doing? <laughs> Billy Crystal, come on. You're like, it's Meg Ryan, right? This that's this scene. When he like acts like he had sex with her out of pity. So like what I want to know is why is Daryl so scared of telling Mustang the truth? Is it because, because he, he, he doesn't loves- want he just loves her and he doesn't want to lose her? No, it's because he loves her and he doesn't want to betray her. Right. But he basically has no choice because he he doesn't feel like he can tell her the truth at this point. Because she just won't accept it. And it's like, okay, with several, yes, they're best friends. And now they're like more so best friends. Also, Severo's fucking weird. He's also half red, you know. So but he doesn't like, know that. Like, why can he tell Severo? Why can he on- tell why can he tell Ragnar and not tell Mustang? I think because they have shared this intimate relationship and uh, this dating relationship, and he's basically been lying the whole time. Right. So it'd be more of a betrayal to, like, when he tells her the truth, she'll feel more of that betrayal. It comes from like a place of fear. Like he's going to, he thinks that it will fracture their relationship forever. Right. And if, if you were Mustang, wouldn't you be like, what the fuck, dude? Like, well, she is kind of like, what the and fuck? And she's dude? like, I saved your life. Like, yeah. do you think I would really, like, betray you after that? Yeah. It's just interesting. I, I, it's, to me, it's just, it's interesting to think about that he's already told Severo, and then immediately in the next chapter, he tells Ragnar. But he is so scared of losing Mustang that he can't bring himself to even consider the idea of letting her know the truth. And be- because of a lot, he keeps her at an arm's length to try to like navigate some sort of half-truth relationship with her. Right, and that's never going to be... like That's never going to do it. And he does the same with Roke. Yeah. And but- ulti- that's, that's a really interesting point right there that, that you just said because I think you see that relationship go one way with Roke and the other way with Mustang, right? Right. That's a good point. Mustang's prettier than Rogue, so it's fine. (laughs) (laughs) So the final friendship moment is Darrow and Ragnar. 
And this is a super amazing, superb scene. And I'm excited to watch it on the super awesome TV show that we keep hearing about. <laughs> this scene has to be in it. I'll I like hope so. freak out if it's not. So uh, the quote from Darrow to Ragnar in the freezer. And Darrow's like being a little bit shivering. And Ragnar's like, I'm from the ice. <laughs> yeah. This is Darrow. For 700 years, we have been enslaved, Ragnar. Your people, my people. We have languished in the darkness, but there will come a day when we walk in the light. It will not come from their mercy. It will not come by fate. It will come when we brave hearts rise and choose to break the chains, to live for more. You must choose for yourself. Will you choose the hard path? Will you choose to be my friend? Will you rise with me? Rise! <laughs> I heard like very inspirational music while I read that. That whole discussion like is like a symphony yeah, pops into I my head. I love that. I love Ragnar in that discussion where he's just like, want? What is want? I don't want. Like, uh, it's right. just, it's really interesting. The, like, he's the so way fully esteemed. Th- yeah, like how he thinks and how different it is compared to Darrow and just like anybody else, basically. Like, how obsidians are basically raised and in their fake religion right it's just it's interesting i I really love that part and then um the fact that darrow frees him at that moment yeah he's like you're not a slave i'm not your master can't do it yeah and ragnar's even like dude no that's bad like i need a master right he's like like, darrow feels almost or sorry ragnar feels almost betrayed by darrow because he's like, you don't want me? Oh, man, that's so sad when he says that. He's like, you don't want me to be your slave? Yeah. Right. As- you can't even understand it. And Daryl's like, no, I want you to be like my equal, dude. Yeah, let's be best buds. Yeah. <laughs> We're bros. <laughs> We're bros, dude. Blood bros. I want my kids to like braid your hair and shit. <laughs> All right. That was uh, this week's theme. That was a really good discussion. Friendship. I feel like. Yeah. Friendship. Or lack thereof. We just did an Air 5. Not really. I just did you an Air 5. I did not do Aaron an Air did five. not return it. <laughs> Hashtag not friends. All right. Now that we have this discussed. Is a, this is a Roke Darrow situation. <laughs> now that we have discussed the theme, let's talk about the Prime 5, which is. Five of our favorite insights and observations from this week's chapters. Do you want to take the first one? Sure. First one is Pierce is riding. Take a drink. <laughs> Which falls into place on the description of the explosion in the garden and the blood and guts raining down. God, I really love that. And the spray of red. I love like watching, like thinking, uh, like imagining a limb like slowly falling to the ground. Because <laughs> the, <laughs> the gravity. The gravity, such, yeah. The low gravity. Yeah, just chunks yeah. of Praetorians. <laughs> also... The description of Tactus's face, like from the explosion, right. how it ruined his face. I just think this part is super cinematic. And I know we talk about Pierce's cinematic writing, but like calling the howlers up out of the, the water. They're Dude, rising out of the sea. Have you seen Aquaman yet? They're totally going to do like, <laughs> they're going to hit the ground and do the hero. Like the stomp. Yeah. The, the knee on the ground <laughs> thing. And, and there's like dripping water yeah, and in the rocks. rise up. <laughs> it's just, like, I can just and see it all. And the steam like comes off them in their robo gear. <laughs> what happened in Aquaman? When he comes out of the water with uh. a sexy body. <laughs> 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 and I was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> the girl 
Michelle does it too. She also comes out of the water being all sexy. With her also sexy body. I have not seen like Aquaman Like very yet. tight clothing. Extremely, extremely sure. tight armor. I can't imagine that. For the ladies. <laughs> so yeah, the ex- uh, description of not only the explosion, but that the howlers part, yeah. coming out of the water. Really cool. Props to Pierce on that one. Okay, the next one is going to be Severo just has an amazing performance at the <laughs> War Council. Doesn't he always? He though? just has some really great lines, and I'm going to flip through my book and find them real quick. He's got the best sarcastic personality that we've ever seen. It just makes me so happy. So there's a few different things that he does. Like Darrow's talking about how the Bolognas want him dead. And Severo's like, oh, doesn't Julia Bologna, she like, and she wants your heart on a platter, right? And he's like, and Daryl's yeah, like, thanks for thanks, reminding me. Thanks for that. And he says, always here to help. <laughs> yeah. He also then eats like a drumstick. That Sophocles uh, was eating. Yeah, he feeds it to Sophocles first and then eats off of it and then throws it at Lauren. <laughs> yeah, and Lauren just like watches it hit the table and does not give a shit. I he's love like, how perplexed. I could kill you so fast, yeah. dude. I love how perplexed Lauren is with Severo. He's just like, looks at him constantly like, what? Like, where is your honor? (laughs) Yeah. You have no honor. And he's always like, you want me to kill the geezer? Right. (laughs) He's like, Lauren, you're fucking old, dude. (laughs) Uh, And then he also has like a really great uh, couple lines to Victra right when. He's like, I'm gold, bitch. That's one. But I love the one where uh, Mustang's like, Julia ships finished off my father and then she like looks at victor like, mm. like and hey, you and then Severo's like pretty awkward right this is pretty awkward for you isn't it right? <laughs> like, victor calls him something right uh what does she say <laughs> do you feel awkward you should <laughs> that's what he says nice. do you feel awkward you well, should victor say she goes uh we've been over this my mother was threatened by the f- sovereign she's oh. not political yeah. i thought she said something mean to say no he goes, do you feel awkward you should <laughs> <laughs> and he's, then, he's really just there for comic relief right uh and then the best one that you just said the one where he uh victor says you're a sinister little shit aren't you he goes i'm gold bitch What'd you expect? Warm milk and cookies just because I'm pocket sized? <laughs> Is this where they fall in love? <laughs> I think so, by insulting each other. <laughs> They're like, ooh, I like that he stands up to me with his little quips. Anyways, that's so good. I just love Severo quipping, is always going to be one of our favorite things. Yeah, Pierce, if you kill Severo, I'm going to kill you. It's going to be a mutiny. No, like, I'm going to flip this table. <laughs> For real. Next, uh, Prime 5, of course, is Mustang with Darrow. And the whole, like, flirty flirt that goes on. And uh, her kind of, like, shifting around, acting innocent. And then she's like, let me the fucking douchebag. Mm-hmm. And then, like, her hitting him with the practice blade and not letting him get to his. Like, yeah. trying to kind of, like... Uh, get answers out of him without him being able to lie. I love Mustang in these chapters. I just think that she, like she talks about, she's like, she's the smartest one there. Right. Daryl needs her so much and she is making that so evident to him. One thing that's cool about her as a woman is she loves Daryl and she wants his affection, 
and she's willing to fight for it, but she's not willing to beg for it. Right. So she she goes in there to basically be like, listen, like either take me or leave me. Yeah. I'm not getting on my knees for you. Yeah. And then when he can't step up to the challenge, she turns and walks away. I just love that about her. I love that whole interaction with her and Daryl where she comes to his room. Where she's she's, being- she's yeah, she's being flirty and she just basically calls Daryl out and just tells him what's what. And she's like, like, I can tell when this is what I want. Right. Why aren't you giving me that? You know, basically. And it's just like, that's such a a great performance by her character. And I also love, there's a good moment with her when she's like storming out of the ship when we were talking about earlier. And she's all uh, bloody and like injured. Yeah. And Lauren goes like, ma'am, lady, you must rest. And my good lady. Yeah. And everyone like, Backs away. Yeah, everyone's like, whoa, buddy. Like, and she's nope. like, rest? What the fuck? Yeah, she's like, like, I'll kill you. <laughs> yeah. I just, I don't know. I just love Mustang. She's great. Yeah. They're like worried for Lauren, who's like the best fighter in the universe. <laughs> yeah. They're like, whoa, shouldn't have said that, man. Like the rage of a, <laughs> of a woman scorned. You clearly don't know her. There's also like a really good moment between her and Darrow at that point where they like, have that mind meld and they're talking about something. When did you talk about this? Yeah. (laughs) And everybody's just like, this just, that's what they do. Oh yeah. Several. (laughs) Yeah. Like you'll get used to it. (laughs) Don't worry. Mustang. Great, great set of chapters from her. Um, all right. Also, I want to talk about another thing from that discussion and that's the robots and aliens thing that they talk about just because this is just Pierce, like inserting a, a little line of world building that opens up like, a complete completely different thing that you want to dive deep into you know you want to like know more about it mm-hmm. immediately and it's just like two lines of of the book and it's but it yes. opens up the world and darrow mustang saying huge. the probability cause like right um there definitely are aliens out there we're not the only people right and darrow's like spacing up and then he's like, what do you think they would think of us? Yeah, well, that's actually, I mean, and what she says is really interesting that we're like, we're strange, we're beautiful, but we're terrible to each other. That's a great right? description You're of like, humanity. Wait, are you a Democrat with a K? <laughs> I also love that uh, Nero uh, Augustus is scared of robots. <laughs> yeah. And Daryl's like lashed onto that. He's yeah. like, wait, 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 wait. Yeah. He's scared of robots? <laughs> I love all that. Yeah. (laughs) And Mustang's like, okay, moving on. He's like, no, back it up. Yeah. I just think that's a great example of like how good Pierce is building as how good Pierce is at building this world. Cause he just throws in the world beyond that. We don't know about yet. That's what I'm saying is like he throws in just these two different lines and then you just want to know, like, tell me everything about earth's robots. Three more books about robots. well, yeah, I just want to hear about like why robots like the, the I want to hear We're about the conquering robots, and like, aliens. yeah, like the golds fighting against robots all over the earth and stuff. That's just, I don't know. That's just those little throwaway, those things that kind of seem like they're throwaway, but that's just Pierce expanding this universe and expanding the history of the world. It's really cool. Love it. Love Pierce. Love these books. Good job, Pierce. If we haven't said that before, you're a really hey, good writer. Pat yourself on the back there. <laughs> All right, number five of our prime five is kind of sad. It's very sad. It's about Tactus and the whole violin story right. that we learn from Roke when they're sitting next to Tactus's dead body. Mm-hmm. And um, the whole thing, if you remember, is 
uh, Darrow thinks that Tactus sold the violin for stim shots and hookers or something. Right. And in reality, he did sell it, but then he felt so guilty. He went back. He canceled it. Yeah. He bought or he he canceled the the Craigslist PayPal. (laughs) And then he went back. Sorry, Venmo. I'm cool. I'm hip. (laughs) (laughs) And then he goes back and uh, practices a sonata especially for Darrow. Which, like, you have to temper with the fact that Tactus then betrayed Darrow and took Lysander right. and fucked up all his plans. But, I mean, that was because of the influence from his family. He can't... He he was getting pulled in a bunch of different directions. And it's just cool to see that, like, his true intentions were... I think he, he wanted to be with Darrow, but he just felt like he was getting pulled by his family in another direction. He couldn't... Or couldn't continue to follow Darrow just because he was getting so much shit from his mom and his brothers. By being his shadow. Right. And then that story just completely guts Darrow pretty much. Like it's just He's like, oh okay, dude. Yeah, and it's almost at this point, like Roke almost seems like he sees Darrow as being uncaring. Right. And Darrow clearly is like hurt by all of this. And Mustang even says something like, okay, that's a little far when Roke is like accusing Darrow of not caring about his friends. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Roke is clearly hurt. I mean, Mm -hmm. not only like we were talking about, he's got to deal with the death of these three people that he really cares about, but also he just feels like Darrow, you know, is not telling him the truth. He's not holding up his end of the friendship bargain. Right. All right. That was our prime five. I feel like that ended on a really. That sad was a tough note. place to let's let's go to uh, a happier note. Okay. And let's name our primus of the week. Ooh. What is the primus of the week? The primus is the one character who conquered our proctors of plot and rose above the rest. The primus of the week is. It's gonna be Ragnar this week. Yeah, here near That's <laughs> he, his death chant. He who talks and bold. Uh, the reason. All right, let me make the case. Also, <laughs> what he Ragnar. wrote is all in, in all caps. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> let me make the case for Ragnar. First of all, I think he just has the best set of chapters. Like everybody else has a pretty tough set of chapters. We're dealing with Tactus's death. We're dealing with tough relationship type stuff. Like. Mm-hmm. Nobody like she really. Who, she who did not get the rose, Victra. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Dar- Mustang gets turned away. Yeah, she'll get uh, rose later. And a kid. <laughs> a kid. <laughs> uh, it's just, it's a tough set of chapters for kind of everybody. Darrow uh, gets betrayed by Pliny and, and just Dude, a lot of stuff going on. Pliny so sucks. Here's the case for Ragnar. He takes command when his gold leaders are killed. He captures a Bologna ship. Like by himself. Right. With like grays and, and that's keep in mind, it. this is before Darrow has given him free reign. Yeah, that was on, he did that on, like on his own initiative. Up a razor. Right. He's not even using a razor at this point. Right, and then also he has earned Darrow's trust enough to where Darrow's like questioning whether he can take on more. And then also he's he's told the truth of his deception and that the world is not what it what he is told. Right, and then he's also freed from slavery so good job <laughs> that's pretty good i mean that's a good weekend pretty good. that'd be a good sunday we don't know what he chooses sunday <laughs> <laughs> if you were a slave on sunday and then you just like that afternoon you got freed it'd be a pretty good day and then you don't go to work <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> i want to 
want to be freed. I feel like a slave to work. So the thing that we need to focus on too is that we don't actually know what he chooses yet. Right. That's true. So he's freed by Daryl, and then we're left kind of wondering what his choice is because Daryl's like, cool, dude, I'm going to go hide in my box again. Good luck. Well, I do like how he just tells him everything, and then he's like, Daryl's always like that. He did that in the Institute, too. He's like, he always wants people to make the choice to follow them, follow him themselves. Right, because there's more lasting power in that. Right. They will, their loyalty is real at that point. It's It's not not out of fear, right? right? I think in this moment, Ragnar has, he also has that great moment where Mustang comes to the door and he's like, no, you need to leave. <laughs> and she brought him food and he's yeah. like, nah, bitch, you need to go. And he also has that creepy discussion about not sleeping. I sleep with my eyes open. <laughs> I sleep with my eyes open. I don't know. I can't speak in bold. I'm not, I'm not an obsidian uh, stained. All right. You know what it's time for? What are we into this week? Do you want to go first? Or you want me to? Sure. I am very, very, very into this. Not only this week, but the past few months. <laughs> so per Ben's recommendation and my friend Virginia. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Shout out. Like Mustang. Holy shit. That's the oh first time God. I realized that. <laughs> <laughs> I worship you, Virginia. <laughs> it's a real Virginia. But um, they both suggested that I watch Doctor Who, which I never watched because I'm a bad sci-fi fan i guess (laughs) so i started watching doctor who and i'm a huge fan and i'm obsessed and i think about it 24 7 (laughs) when i'm at work i'm like god i wish i could watch doctor who right now so um i mostly am obsessed with david tennant and he's insanely amazing he's the best person in the universe he's the best doctor (laughs) i have not yet gone through um regeneration the regeneration of david Tennant, and i might cry so you're definitely gonna cry i'm can, on season four right now i can guarantee like, season four of like what's on amazon prime <laughs> yeah. which is not you know the what 60s bullshit <laughs> i can guarantee the scarf you stuff that you're gonna cry all right i'm really into doctor who if you have not watched it either it's great it's so fucking weird but i cannot tell you like i love it so much i love how like stupid it is i cannot be happier that you're saying this right now like the really terrible not cgi what do you call that aliens yeah yeah i just love it it's so good i love how ridiculous it is it's very british very corny but very funny uh and very good all right my what are we into this week is i'm just going to give you guys another musical suggestion i'm on a music kick right now great it's a band called amo amo is it also Spanish? No, I think it's, I'm not sure what that is. It's AMO space AMO. And Could be AMO, AMO. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to choose to pronounce it AMO, AMO. Okay. Uh, they have some wonderful songs. They only have a couple, like I think a few songs out right now. There's three total, but they're a great band. They're going to be coming out with an album later this year. And uh, I'm really enjoying what they have out now. What is Super it? chill, just kind of uh you've listened to it i have yeah cool producer john's listening to it oh good amo amo it's that one with the wah, 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 wah. <laughs> so, anyway <laughs> we'll move on uh just check out amo amo they have some cool songs out they're a great band and it's super chill vibes like just kind of hang vibes hang vibes yeah great all right we're gonna introduce 
a new segment this week. Due to one question we received. That's not true. We've received multiple questions, oh. but we are choosing one question to answer this week. So this is the Howler Q&A. So you guys have been sending us some questions. People want to know, I don't know, things good about us. Good ladies and good gents. Right. You guys have sent in some some questions of us. So today we are going to make a new segment called Howler Q&A. If you guys want to send us a question, you can email us. You we'll can answer it. Direct message us. We'll, we'll who, answer it. Who's Aaron's crush? It's Mustang. <laughs> this week's question comes from Eduardo Bertrand. He wants to know, how did you guys meet and where are you from? Well, we hail from <laughs> thine great state of Kansas. That's true. Ben lives in Missouri and I live in Kansas. Which is how it works when you are in Kansas City. Yes. We, we are by state. We live in Kansas City. It doesn't make sense. But we are a by state nation. Most of Kansas City is in Missouri, which does not make sense. I thought most of it was in Kansas. No, you're right. Uh, yeah, most of it's in Missouri. I live in Missouri. <laughs> Aaron lives in Kansas, but we both live in but we're like the Kansas 15. City area. Yeah. Thine is where we hail from. <laughs> so if you're... Uh, an international howler that's basically like right in the middle of the united states kansas and missouri central have yeah. you heard of the wizard of oz that's me that's i'm us. dorothy we're both kansans originally yep we're yeah. actually from the same hometown we right. did not know each other but we grew up in wichita kansas that's true and the reason and how we know each other basically Aaron's husband, producer John. Producer John quotes. <laughs> <laughs> is my best friend. And I've known John since... He's my best friend. He's, he's our best friend. Oh, okay. <laughs> John and I went to college together. And I met Aaron through John, basically. And I, ha I have to tell the howlers this. John is not a howler. No. I'm... But I believe in a post-colorist society <laughs> where, like, we believe that you know, any color can be with whatever color they want that I feel like you should accept that I have married a non-howler. Oh, I accept, yeah. There's a still a place for producer John in our hearts. We love him. Even though he doesn't read. <laughs> <laughs> he really just doesn't like fictional things. He even hates the Avengers. Like, yeah. who hates the Avengers? He's got issues. Anyway, John and I, friends, I met Aaron through John and then liked Aaron way more. <laughs> Well, that happens a lot. <laughs> so she's also, she enjoys a lot of the same things I do. So we nerd out on a lot of stuff like Hashtag Red, Red Rising. Rising, obviously, Pierce Doctor Brown. Who. Oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, she's my go-to for that type of stuff to talk about. So Hey, Ben, thanks for introducing me to Red Rising. The perfect person to do a Red Rising podcast with. All right. That's me. If you guys have questions for Howler Q&A, you can send those to howlerpod at gmail.com or you can dm us slide into our dms on instagram <laughs> you can send us a message on facebook whatever you want to do and they can be more red rising related because yeah. our lives are not that interesting no my life is super interesting okay okay what are we doing next week next week we are going to read chapters 35 through 39 in golden, golden sun, sun. <laughs> I think they know now what book we're in, I hope. If you guys were a little, if you're, if you're sliding um, between books, I don't know. It's 35, 35 39, 35 to 39, 35 to 39, Golden Sun. Follow us on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Etsy. Email us. 
howlerpod at gmail.com. That's going to conclude today's podcast. Thank you, howlers. We love you. Omnis vir lupus. Oh! Oh!